Welcome to PDPW's podcast. Here's Bill Baker. Where we look at the gift of laughter. As we hear from Tom Thibodeau, humor should be a big part of any relationship because it blesses our lives and helps raise us up during challenging times. So what can we do to induce more play and add more joy and humor to our lives? Let's hear from Tom with this week's PDPW podcast, Exercising Your Funny Bone. Good morning, Bill, and it's so good to be with you. And I hope together we can laugh a little bit and invite other people into the gift of laughter and humor and play in our lives. Laughter is the shortest distance between two people. Victor Borges said that, and it's so very true. If we want to build strong relations with other people, we must have time to be able to laugh with them. William Glasser, who did a lot of work around reality therapy, would then go in and look at effective organizations, and he said, within 10 minutes, I can tell you whether or not your organization is effective by paying attention to two things. One, the level of a conversation in the employee's lounge. What are people talking about? Who are they talking about? How are they talking about each other? We form our organizations, our institutions, by the conversations that we have. And it then reveals our level of effectiveness, our level of trust, and our level of respect for each other. Second, is there laughter there? In any organization where there's no laughter, you kind of wonder what, what are the relationships like? When people are comfortable with each other. They can be vulnerable with each other. They have this ability to uh, laugh at themselves, to poke fun at one another, to not take each other so seriously. Alan Alda was asked about MASH. They remained high in, in this level of comedy for nine years. It was an incredible show. We, it's on replay in just about every market yet today. People want to watch MASH, and they not only have canned laughter, but you can see that the um, Actors involved doing it are having are having fun. And he said this, we were always serious but never solemn. Always serious but never solemn. And what they found is as they did that show of doctors working in emergency rooms in Korea under very dire circumstances, they invited in Korean veterans. And the Korean veterans really appreciated the humor because that is the way in which they stayed alive. Humor is our only exit from certain situations. Uh, humor helps us to get out of a situation that we thought was very dire and helps us to look at ourselves and to laugh. If just for a moment it cracks us open to the possibility that things may and can get better. In many ways, we call that gallows humor. What's amazing, for instance, is that if you spend time with people in hospice, here in the last journey of people's lives, oftentimes there is laughter and joy, a reminiscence of play and the things that we enjoy with each other. To nurture laughter and humor in our lives is part of the human journey. When you go to a theater or even to a playhouse, you'll see the masks, the Greek masks of comedy and tragedy. Their definition is that comedy is tragedy plus time. Oftentimes, the most dire things that have happened to us, the most painful, over a gift of time and with good friends, you go back and you look at the laughter that took place at those moments. I have a friend of mine who um, was doing a study on, uh, on young children in, in special education, and he came across a study on children and humor and found out that children under the age of five laugh or smile three 150 times a day. 
350 times a day. And then he's adults over the age of 35, five times a day. Then he did research in his own family, his mother-in-law, 1.2. And he began to recognize that we are living in a country that's humor impaired. So he put together a presentation for the National Association for the Humor Impaired. He shared it with a friend of his at the La Crosse Tribune, and the friend of his wrote this up and sent it out onto the AP wire, and it went around the world, the National Association for the Humor Impaired. One night, he's sitting at his dinner table, and the phone rings. Hello, is Dr. Humor there? This is Billy Bob calling from live call-in radio in Houston, Texas, wanting to talk to Dr. Humor. And he's thinking to himself, that must be me. And... Billy Bob goes on asking all kinds of questions about the National Association for the Humor Impaired. Well, he's just making this up. So he does about a 15-minute interview, and he puts the phone down, and he and his wife laugh about it. I can't imagine anybody you know, took this seriously. Well, 15 minutes later, he gets a call from Toronto. It's another live talk show host who wants to talk about the National Association for the Humor Impaired. Well, talk show hosts from across the country radio stations and newspapers are calling him up, wanting to know about the National Association for the Humor Impaired. About the 50th interview, he's getting pretty good at it by this time, a guy says, how much does it cost to join the National Association for the Humor Impaired? And he says to himself, uh, uh, $6. And he said, well, what do you get for $6? He said, you get a uh, a card that says that you belong to the National Association for the Humor Impaired. You get a quiz that you can take it to find out whether or not you are humor impaired. And amazingly, people start sending in checks for $6 in order to get a card and a quiz. And they found out how many people in this great country of ours are willing to bounce a $6 check. At first, he's making money, and now he's having to pay for the checks that are being bounced. So he says, no more checks. If you want to be a member of the National Association for the Humor Impaired, all I require is that you send me a funny story that has happened to you. Well, people started taking him seriously on this and started sending in a collection of stories. And I'll read a couple of them to you here. Dear Dr. Humor, Last year, our neighbors went on vacation and asked me to check on the house several times while they were away. They left on Thursday and we returned the following Monday. On Saturday afternoon, I noticed out my window that a black lab boomer was chewing on something. I went out to see what was in his mouth and was horrified to see as our neighbor's pet rabbit. Boomer had the poor white rabbit by the neck. It was filthy and very dead. I panicked and felt sick as the neighbor's children were very attached to Fluffy. I thought I had left the neighbor's back door open and somehow Boomer got in the house and killed the rabbit. I didn't know what to do. My husband suggested that we try to locate an identical rabbit from a pet store and replace it so no one would ever know. We spent six hours driving all over Atlanta with Fluffy in a freezer bag, looking for a rabbit with the same markings, but with no success. Finally, we decided to shampoo and blow dry Fluffy and return to his cage to look like he had died naturally. We didn't know what else to do. When our neighbors returned home on Monday, we didn't hear from them. After another day, still no word, I couldn't stand the silence, and on the third day, I finally called. Jane, our neighbor, told me they had a wonderful time on vacation, but were very puzzled as they found Fluffy dead, lying in his cage. I told her I was very sorry to hear that Fluffy had died. She went on to say the puzzling part was that Fluffy actually died the day before they had left, and they had buried him in the backyard. Steve Allen says that laughter is a mental train wreck. All of a sudden, we hear things that we hadn't expected, and it makes us laugh. 
it provokes curiosity, provokes an imagination in which words are at play. Einstein said that imagination is intelligence at play. And of course, humor allows us to experience this. Humor also takes away pain. What we find happening after a period of time is that if you begin to laugh, it takes away pain. There's natural endorphins that come with this. Norman Cousins wrote about this in the Anatomy of an Illness back in the 1990s, in which he himself was going through very serious health problems and began to laugh and how important laughter was for his healing process. So here's a story that addresses that. Dear Dr. Humor, I want to share a very funny story that happened to me and maybe understand how much important humor is in our lives and how much it's God's gift that needs to be nurtured. I'm a Lutheran pastor in April of 1977 at a very serious car accident and was in the hospital recuperating for seven months. Because I was there so long, I became nonchalant with the nurses and the procedures. You can't keep decorum up for very long with no clothes on. I was also having great difficulty finding a relatively painless spot to put one more injection of pain medication. I rang for the nurse, and when she came on the intercom, I told her I needed another pain shot. I knew exactly how long it would take for her to get there. I had lots of practice, so I rolled over an incredible pain so slowly and placed my completely exposed derriere toward the door. I heard her open the door to my room, and I said as I pointed in my rear, you can stick it here. There was an awful, awful silence. I slowly struggled to turn over to see a 22-year-old female parishioner who had come to see me, and it was particularly awkward because she had flowers and no place to put them. I apologized and tried to chat, but she wouldn't come within six feet of me and left shortly afterward. Well, 30 seconds after she left, the impact of the situation hit me. I started to laugh. I hurt like you can't imagine. But I laughed and I laughed and I laughed. Tears were streaming down my face and I was gasping for air when the nurse finally came in. Three times I tried to tell her what had happened, but I couldn't say more than three words without breaking up. She had to come back three different times before I was calm enough to tell her what had happened. But that time I felt absolutely no pain, none. I didn't need medication for nine more hours. It truly was a turning point in my recovery. Also, you'd be interested to know that my parishioner joined another church. Laughter takes away pain. Laughter takes away pain. I had a friend of mine who about 20 years calls me, and his wife had, had uh, found a lump on her shoulder. They were out on the river, and somebody's putting suntan lotion. said, do you realize you have a lump on your shoulder? And she said, no. Well, the next day they go in and they get it checked out. And uh, they're sent from La Crosse over to Mayo to Rochester because it was very unusual. And she had cancer on her shoulder blade and then had to go in for uh, emergency cancer surgery uh, and to remove her shoulder blade. And uh, he called me. And I said the same thing that everyone who's listening would say, what is it I can do? And there was a moment of silence and he said, well, I don't know how this is going to affect her health. I don't know how this is going to affect our marriage and certainly the impact on her children. Could you call me every once in a while and just make me laugh? I'd really appreciate that. For the next two years as she went through radiation and, and, and treatment, I, I would call and I would tell them stupid jokes, not difficult for me. I would find cards that were kind of silly or foolish, and I would send those along. And I would share those each and every time we met. And then afterward, we would, would talk about how his wife was doing, how he was doing, how the children were being affected. 
about five years after she was in remission, we sat down and we were having lunch. She said, I never fully told you how important it was that you made me laugh. He said, I worked in a medical facility and people didn't know what to say, so they said nothing. You would approach me with humor and then give me a chance to talk. Thank you. Thank you for helping me to laugh. How important that is. How important that is to be able to tell stories, not to laugh at people, but to make people laugh at themselves or to laugh at the, the human condition. The word humor comes from the Latin word humus, from which we get the soil. It's to be grounded. So people who live close to the earth have a marvelous sense of humor. I find farmers to be funny, to be humorous, to kind of be dry in, the, in their humor and the stories that they tell. I don't know about what it's like out there, but I know here in La Crosse, Wisconsin, we're just on the road from Minneapolis, about 150 miles, and beautiful hillsides, and people come down, and they start riding around, and sometimes going too fast, and a young man in his young sports car goes off to, off a, a country road and into a ditch. He walks up to a farmhouse, and he knocks on the door, and a farmer comes to the door. He said, sir, um, I just put my car in a ditch. Could you get your tractor and help me out, please? gentleman says, I don't have a tractor. He says, I got a plow horse. He said, we'll see what we can do. So the guy goes back to his car, and the farmer comes all a little bit later with his plow horse and a hitch, and he hitches up the horse to the car. He says, come on, big buddy, pull, big buddy. Come on, big buddy, pull, pull, pull. Come on, Sheila, girl, Sheila, come on now, pull, Sheila. Sugar, 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 pull, pull, pull. Come on, big buddy, pull, pull, pull. And the horse strains and strains and pulls the car out of the ditch. The young man is amazed, never seen anything like this growing up in the city. And the man is unhooking his horse from the car and the gentleman goes up and says, uh, say, listen, uh, uh, that was amazing. That was just, a thank you so much, but could you tell me something? He said, yeah, you had one horse there, but you called him by three different names. He says, oh, he says, uh, my horse is blind. If he thought he was the only one, never got you out. Isn't that kind of amazing? <laughs> if we oftentimes think that we're the only one, it's so very difficult. If we think that we're surrounded even by imaginary support people, it gets us out. But the importance in terms of humor gets us out of absurd situations. It gives us a sense of balance, helps us to reset, if you will, the ability to to laugh at themselves. Abraham Lincoln was one time asked, Mr. Lincoln, you're two-faced. <laughs> he said to the person, he said, if I had another face, do you think I'd be wearing this one? Lincoln had this amazing self-deprecating humor, which kind of won over his adversaries. It was very difficult. You think about the great communicator in our own, in our own times, uh, President Reagan had a marvelous sense in front of the camera of being able to look at himself and point out his own foibles and limitations, which even made him that much more lovable. Well, it's the same thing for all of us. We were driving through a rural community recently, my wife and I, and there on a, on a sign was that was printed, a cow who doesn't give milk, is that cow an utter failure or just a milk dud? And we laughed and we laughed and we laughed. It's the use of language. Human beings have the ability to make other people laugh. It's not something that the birds or, or other animals share, but we have the ability by our use of words to make other people laugh. 
which bring a sense of comfort and joy into their lives. The ways in which we sit around and tell stories about things that reveal who we truly are. An older couple uh, went to the doctor, and they're in their 80s, and the doctor said, uh, wow, for people in your 80s, you're in remarkably good shape. Is there anything I can do to help you? Well, they said, we're having a hard time remembering things. Oh, he said, that just comes along when you're in your 80s. Just get yourself a little notepad and a pen and just write things down. Make notes to yourself. So the next night, they're home, and they're watching a baseball game on, on television, and gentleman gets up off the couch and his wife said where are you going he said get myself a dish of ice cream oh she said i like one too write that down i don't need to be right now a dish of ice cream i can remember a dish of ice cream but i like chocolate sauce you know i like chocolate just write that down i don't need to be writing down ice cream and chocolate i like maraschino cherries just two maraschino cherries write that down for cry i don't need to write down ice cream chocolate maraschino cherries Downs out 20 minutes later and gives her a plate of scrambled eggs. She looks at them and says, where's my toast? Aren't we all like this? That humor helps us to remember what we thought we had forgot. Humor helps us to uncover the gold in our lives and that which has always been rather precious. And oftentimes when we look back at our lives, we remember not only the good work that we've done, but the celebration and the play that we've had in our lives. Plato, 2,500 years ago, said that our true nature is revealed in play. We don't have to convince anybody who's listening to this podcast that they don't work any harder. For God's sake, they're working 14, 16 hours a day. When I work with, uh, with teachers who grew up on farms, what they said is that they would work hard, but then they would play hard. As soon as they got done with, uh, with chores, they were all playing ball. I remember one teacher came, and he had three gloves that he grew up playing baseball with, and he said baseball was the real reward for living on the farm. The ability to work hard and to play hard and to enjoy what we have just accomplished is so terribly important because play is not to accomplish anything. Play is to just enjoy, to be able to play the game. To be able to be engaged with each other in, in throwing bags in the backyard or badminton or croquet, being able to enjoy playing a game of hearts or old maid with your grandchildren. During the great pandemic, people rediscovered board games. You could not buy a cribbage board in the state of Wisconsin. Isn't that extraordinary? All of us, all of us need to have opportunities to play. My daughter is now 40. But when she turned 10, she said to her mother and I, I don't want to go to Chuck E. Cheese or McDonald's or have pizza. I want a home birthday party, a homemade birthday party. I said, what's that? Well, where everybody comes over and we play games, and everybody gets cake and ice cream and everybody gets prizes. Well, my wife was a kindergarten teacher and I, who love working with children, thought this is a great idea. So all these 10-year-old girls come over to the house. My sister, who had been in recreational therapy, brought over one of these long, stretchy slingshots where you could put water balloons. And the girls learned how to shoot a water balloon into the sky. And then they were had their swimming suits on, and they would run around, and they would catch the water balloons as they bounced off their head or off their feet. And they were laughing and giggling, and all of them got wet. All of them got cake and ice cream. All of them got prizes, and all of them went home. What a day. That night, I go into 
kiss my little 10-year-old goodnight. And I bend down to kiss her on the forehead, and she puts her arms around my neck, and she says, you're a real dad. And I stood up, and I held her hand, and I looked at her, and I just smiled. I said, what's a real dad? And she said, a real dad is a dad who takes time to play with his kids. A real dad is a dad who takes time to play with his kids. A real dad uh, nurtures humor. A real dad finds things to laugh at and to laugh with. A real dad makes up games and plays. Play is one of the most important things that we could reintroduce to our adult lives. Learn how to play again, to be joyful. Learn how to sing and dance, to be imaginative, to be foolish. And people say, oh, that's so silly. Silly comes from the Anglo-Saxon word selig, which means to be blessed. Humor blesses our lives. It helps us raise up so many of the most difficult moments, the loss of health, the loss of a loved one, the ability to be able to pay attention and give honor through joy, laughter, humor, play. We all could use a little bit more in our lives. One final story. I'm working at a church for a number of years. I worked at the same church for 35 years, and we would offer programs for the parents. And to make it a little bit more palatable for parents who are coming to a church meeting on a Sunday morning, we offered free child care. Everybody who's listening who's had children and has gone to a church realizes that there's parents' meetings and what do you do with the children? So we had child care, and one morning 25 people showed up with 25 children between the ages of 3 and 7. I looked at my partner and I said, did you take care of child care? And he said, no. He says, I thought you were. Well, okay, there I was. I go off to the nursery. We're down there, and most time people are in there for a half hour and having a conversation and wanting to get out of there. Well, this morning, it wasn't a half hour. It's 40 minutes. It's 45 minutes. It's 50 minutes. They got into extended conversation, and I'm down in the nursery with 25 children between the ages of 3 and 7. We're playing every game I know how. We're playing Duck, Duck, Goose, Farmer, and Adele, Ring Around the Rosary. That's the Catholic edition. And after about 45 minutes, I'm just exhausted. And I'm bending down. I have my hands on my knees. And a little four-year-old comes up and pounds me in the stomach and says, Hey, Chubby, what are we going to do next? Hey, Chubby, what are we going to do next? Oh, to have a childlike sense of humor, a childlike curiosity as to what can we do to induce more play, add more joy and humor to our lives. So for all of you today who are working so hard, what are you going to do next? How will you play today? Who will you make laugh? Laughter is the shortest distance between two people. Build a relationship today through a joke, a funny story, and just being who you are. Thanks. Always good talking with you, and I hope that today your life is blessed with some humor, some laughter, and the opportunity to play. Well, thank you, Chubby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, those are great stories. 
Our thanks to Tom Thibodeau for today's message. Tom, a distinguished professor of servant leadership at Viterbo University. And for archived podcasts and more on-demand programs, and for more on the professional development for today's dairy producer, head to PDPW's free website at pdpw.org. Until next time, have a safe and productive week.